everyone, and welcome back to Behavioral Health 2.0. My name is Suki Norris, and today we're going to further explore social determinants of health. Today we're going to look at poverty, and it's part of income stability, which is the second prong of the social determinants of health. The first element of income stability is logically poverty. The relationship of poverty to social determinants of health may seem quite obvious. Without money, you can't pay for health care. And without health care, it's pretty hard to maintain your health. But I submit that the relationship is more complex because of its depth and pervasiveness. The standard definition of poverty is the state of being poor. Another definition may provide more insight into the issues related to poverty. And that is living without or struggling to pay for basic essentials required to live. As an example, food, clothes, water, housing, or health care. Cesar Chavez said, history will judge societies and governments and their institutions not by how big they are or how well they serve the rich and powerful, but how effectively they respond to the needs of the poor and the helpless. Poverty is a critical component of the social determinants of health. During the next few podcasts, we're going to cover food insecurity, housing insecurity, and other elements. But the one constant theme is in the absence of the ability to pay for services. Maybe the services is a house or food. Social determinants of health refers to the condition that impacts health and well-being. Poverty has one of the greatest significant effects on this impact, even if the impact is negative. The challenge in addressing poverty lies in the fact that few public health agencies can multitask. An example, public health agencies address mental health, but maybe not poverty, while poverty leads to unrelated mental health issues. A few statistics, because as with other areas, Statistics tell the story of poverty in the United States. In 2020, the official poverty rate was 11.4%. That means that over one out of 10 Americans were considered within the constraints of poverty. The 2020 rate reflects the first increase in poverty after five years of decline. 11.4 represents 37.2 million people in poverty in 2020. If we split it down by race, the poverty rate for Blacks in 2020 was 19.5%, almost one in five, or 8.5 million individuals within the Black community. Another way to look at the poverty rate is by age. Approximately 11.6 million individuals under the age of 18, lived in poverty in 2020. Finally, children in unrelated families, such as foster care, who lived in poverty at a 38.2% rate in 2020. Each of these statistics explains the number of persons living in poverty today. And remember, as Cesar Chavez said, we're judged by how well we address the needs of the 37 million persons, how do we do it? Max Hartwell once said that economics is the study of poverty 
Well, many years ago, I studied economics in college, but I will submit we never discussed poverty. A study of one, me, is not dispositive, but does raise the question, who studies poverty? Many economists discuss how to measure the economics of poverty, but it still seems to miss the point. Isn't the point focusing on the 37.2 million people living in poverty? Not why they are there, but now that they are there, what will we do to, one, address their needs, and two, begin the downward trend of the numbers of people living in poverty? You ever think about how the country's poor understand poverty? Perhaps their understanding comes from the higher cost of goods than the same goods in other non-impoverished neighborhoods. Maybe it's something called the ghetto tax, the opportunity for poor people to pay more for everything, from food to furniture. Maybe it's the choice some families make between diapers and food or medicine. While some of these expenses are real, some were due to consumer naivety and predatory business practices. In short, current policy in most locations has a mechanism to keep the poor poor. And though you may not see it in numbers, poverty also is a major cause of death. 133,000 deaths in 2020 were due to individual poverty. Now, the individuals did not die of poverty, but died as a result of poverty. Poverty, just like smoking, can lead to heart disease and death. In fact, the stress of poverty and the bad habits picked up to lessen the anxiety of poverty impact one's health. Also, poverty results in less access to health screening and health care. The result is that poverty is a serious cause of death. Now, in attributing death to poverty, we don't ignore heart disease or cancer, but we ignore this major cause of death if we don't call it out, a cause of death equal to cancer or stroke. Perhaps best summed up by Eli Kamarow, who said, Poverty is like punishment for a crime it didn't commit. Well, if you remember the incarceration podcast, we do well enough in punishing people who commit minimal crimes. We don't need to add to that number, do we? What about poverty in healthcare? It is generally accepted that poverty creates a biosocial and psychosocial concept of health and disease that's unique to the poor and those suffering from inequity. Much as discussed in when we talked about death and poverty, people in poverty have higher heart disease, stroke, bronchitis, diabetes, ulcers, kidney disease, liver disease, arthritis, hearing and vision problems. These health effects, they relate to income inequality as well as poverty. Poverty reduces the likelihood of an individual following healthcare directions if they even seek healthcare treatment or advice. The poverty levels are actually more significant with women than men, which further affects women's health, making women more likely to have the diseases listed above, as well as those diseases that are unique to women. 
Children living in poverty may also have a greater risk for adverse health outcomes, such as asthma, and are unlikely to receive preventative care. Whether man, woman, or child, living in poverty is unhealthy and has a likelihood to cause an early death. For a crime, none of those people committed. To address this below average health outcomes for people living in poverty, we need innovative programs to raise people out of poverty. We have to remove the obstacles to health care to improve health care. Health equity demands it. Health equity means that everyone has the right to be healthy. We have to remove any obstacles that poverty may create and replace them with pathways to access to quality health care for all, including those living in poverty. But we also have to improve the quality of the care once the people living in poverty seek health care. Because for those living in poverty that do see a doctor, the challenge actually is just beginning. Most doctors are used to dealing with middle-class patients, and the patient in poverty may present real challenges. Rather than seeing the doctor regularly, they only see the doctor when it's a problem. They may not call ahead of time to confirm the appointment for today. They may not have a phone to check in electronically, like an iPhone. Once checked in, they may not have the same trust that a middle-class patient has. The person in living in poverty may expect the doctor to prove herself, not just trust that because they're a doctor, I need to trust them. Because trust is harder for those living in poverty, as you might imagine. There may be a language difference between the less educated patient and the well-educated doctor. The conversation could take longer than the doctor has and may require a level of communication not really understood by the doctor. Even if the appointment goes well, the person living in poverty's ability to get further care or to pick up a prescription is hampered because the choice may be between food or diapers or medicine. In short, even people who seek care may not have the means to take advantage of care. What about that community that we talked about in an earlier podcast when we discussed civic participation? You remember that civic participation focuses on the community, and the community has a key role when looking at poverty and health. In general, low-income communities are isolated. Poverty traps individuals in the unhealthy lifestyles that we've discussed above and in previous podcasts with few ways out. Research indicates that county-level health is directly related to county-level income, meaning that the poor receive little care, and the better-funded communities receive better care. Well, this may be true today. Let's take a look at what Nelson Mandela said. Overcoming poverty is not a gesture of charity. It is the protection of a fundamental human right, the right to dignity and a decent life. We have obligations to meet the needs of the impoverished. Remember, it is, a, it is the, caused by a crime that none of the 38 million people did. How do we find hope? Hope is going to be the way, the method by which we find solutions, even if only small victories. 
even a slight decrease in disease burden will provide those living in poverty with significant gains in health and longevity. Whether the solution is community-based or political, the reality is that rising inequality in income and assets is creating a greater sense and reality of poverty. We have to make it a priority to lessen this inequity. To address the variety of challenges faced by those living in poverty, including healthcare, we have to create an expansive policy approach that considers all factors that can lessen this problem. Because until poverty is no longer a cause of death, and so that poverty will never, no longer be a cause of death in the U.S. We fight cancer and stroke. We come up with new treatment possibilities to deal with heart disease. Poverty deserves the same effort. It may be by different people. It may not be done in a science lab or pharmaceutical lab. But we do need to develop those programs equal to the process by which vaccinations are developed and medicines are developed and new treatment types are developed. We have to make this a priority to remove poverty as a cause of death. It does not require, as I just said, medicine or vaccines. It requires social policy at the local, state, and national levels to even the playing field. We all deserve basic human rights that requires us to overcome and end poverty. Again, we all deserve basic human rights, meaning we all must figure out the process by which we overcome and begin to end poverty, to reduce poverty to zero. This is something we can do. This is something we have the know-how to do. We just now must do it. Thank you for listening, and please join next time as we look to the next element of income stability, and that will be employment and its relationship to social determinants of health. Thank you. Bye.